everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Beelins and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We have with us today, longtime head women's coach of Long Beach State, Coach Jenny Hilt Costello. Coach Hilt Costello has taken the women's tennis program into the national elite during a run that has included 22 Big West regular season or tournament titles in 18 seasons, 13 NCAA tournament bursts, and 17 consecutive nationally ranked seasons. I'm excited to hear about her tennis journey. So without further ado, please welcome to the pod, Coach Jenny Hilt Costello. Coach, thank you uh, for taking time out of your day and, and walking me through your very interesting journey. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. However, uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking in the springtime now. Things are starting to get better. Things are starting to open up. Vaccines are, are, are out now. More and more people are getting vaccinated. How are you, your family, also members on your team, everyone holding up okay? Yeah, you know what? Everybody's doing good here. Everybody's healthy, family and the team. And that's really what's most important. So um, yeah, right now we're, we're just practicing and building for the fall because while we are healthy and doing well, the girls did elect to opt out of competition this spring, um, largely because they wanted to save that year of eligibility so they could have a full year of practice and competition. Got it. No, thank Thank you for sharing that. So I want to start you obviously, and we're going to get into your collegiate career at UCLA and your um, awesome coaching career at, at Long Beach State. But before we get into that, I want to know how it all started with you. And um, I understand you were a, a swimmer for a number of years, but walk us through how you how you got started in the sport of tennis. Well, I can really credit my parents with my start, uh, but really I was a competitive swimmer. Uh, we moved to California, got into the pool and had an aptitude for that. So from age six to 13, I was a competitive swimmer, was nationally ranked. And then the grind of swimming and the days and the, you know, the long, it just kind of got to me. And so my parents said, why don't you give tennis a try? Since they were big uh, tennis players on the weekends all the time. So I went down, I, I, I loved it. It was fun. And then for a while I was doing both. And then my mom finally said, you know what, it's, it's, this is getting tough. You're going to have to make the choice, swimming or tennis. And at that point, it, it really was an easy decision. Um, I really was enjoying the tennis and I was looking forward to that challenge of the improvement and moving forward. So at age 13, I dropped swimming and tennis became my full-time focus. So you wound up walking on to UCLA, but you know, your junior career, when you basically started late, um, especially sole focus at tennis, um, we would call someone like you a late bloomer. I think that's fair to say, right? Sure. Um, was there something that kind of catapulted you in, in your junior career to really take it to the next level? I, I understand you did have scholarship offers at other schools. Again, you chose to walk on at UCLA. I know there was this national father's doubles, this, fa this father-daughter doubles tournament that I want to get into. Specifically, I want to know who carried who in that tournament. But before we get into that, um, were, were there some events that really kind of catapulted you to say, you know what, I, I want to play uh, collegiately? Oh, I mean, instantly from the moment I started with tennis, that was the goal for me. I mean, that had been my goal, even swimming, you know, getting a getting a college scholarship. And I remember in that transition, I asked my mom, you know, I'm starting so late with tennis. Do you think that I can earn a spot on a division one program? I can earn a scholarship. And, and she said, yes, you put your mind to it and you put the work in, you will. So really for me, my junior career was 
And this is something I credit with swimming because I really had that grinding mentality of just putting in the hours, putting in the work. Um, it was just a slow, steady grind and a slow, steady improvement as I was, you know, moving from 13 to 18 before I got to college. Um, I think there was one tournament, uh, championship tournament at my club, I believe when I was about 15, uh, that I won that tournament. And that for me was probably that moment of, okay, I'm now, I've arrived. I can play with these girls. I, I can now look to get myself nationally ranked. I'm no longer trying to play catch up, but here I am. I've won a championship tournament. I'm ranked in the top 10 in Northern California, and now I can keep pushing further. So yeah. that was that was probably the moment that the confidence came because I'm no longer playing catch up with these girls. I'm now mano a mano and, uh, and here we go. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. That's, that would be a, a huge confident booster to you, especially at 15. You've only been seriously playing it for a couple of years. You now know you're there. That gives you more confidence, that added push to say, you know what, I still got a few more years before we go to college. Let's keep going. So, yep. um, What's this national father-daughter doubles tournament? I, I hear you guys got the finalists. A lot of times playing with a parent is, is really tough. It's really hard. It's just, you know, it's like, it's, 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 you know, playing mixed doubles with your, with your husband or, or wife, right? It just, sometimes you want to keep that separate. So, so tell me a little bit about that tournament. Were you guys on speaking terms during or even after that tournament? <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Cause yeah, there were times when my dad and I played doubles at the club every weekend and there were times when we came home and we weren't speaking to each other anymore but um this 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 family it was called the family equitable and they had many different family categories and the equitable life insurance company sponsored it they had father daughter father son mother son brother sister husband wife they had various different categories and basically you had to win what was a local tournament and we happened to have that local tournament at our tennis club in sacramento then if you won your local tournament, you then went to a regional tournament. And the regional tournament we went to was in San Francisco. We won that tournament. And then the Equitable gave us an expense paid trip uh, to play then the final site of this, this family Equitable tournament at the U.S. Open while the U.S. Open was being played. So, um, yeah, we were fortunate enough to be there while the tournament was going on. We got to play on the courts. We had linesmen. Uh, we had ball kids in our matches, and and for both of us, it was a really incredible experience. We got to the finals, and yes, I will say that uh, my dad finally realized what it means to be nervous, that it's not always just so easy to go out there and do it and close the match out and hit that winning shot in the semifinals. Um, I had to kind of dig him out of a hole probably about six times before he finally then was able to get the return in so we could close the match out. So he had a little bit of the jitters, which I think was great for our relationship moving forward as he kept, he continued to take me to tournaments. I think there was a better understanding of how nervous sometimes you can get and how those nerves can play into what happens on the court. No, that's great. And it's, it's something so special, you know, again, doing that with your dad and memories of a, of a lifetime, something that, that I know you, <laughs> you will never forget. That's super cool. You hear, you hear stories like that where, you know, you never speak to that person again, but in your, your situation, <laughs> it was way more of a positive than a negative. So yes. I'm glad that walked out. Well, glad that worked <laughs> out for everyone. Um, so UCLA, right? I mean, we all know that program. I mean, that's, that's one of the top women's programs out there, right? Year in and year, year out consistently. They're, they're one of the best. You went from a walk-on to nationally ranked team captain during your four years at, 
at UCLA, you had a career high number nine in doubles, number 35 singles, national ranking. Um, as far as walk-ons go, and, and most programs have at least one, not all of them, but most have at least one. You as a coach now, do you kind of have a soft spot for those walk-ons? And do you, do you see a key role that those members of, of, of your team um, play a huge part in, in your team's overall success? Yeah, I, you know, honestly, I, I feel like they're no different than our scholarship players. Everybody is treated equally. Um, and, and the thing, I guess, that I can really relate to with a walk-on non-scholarship player is I can really walk them through, okay, these are the expectations. You know, if you want lineup, if you want scholarship, I can walk them through detail what you need to do. And as somebody who was in that position, I really know the work that it's gonna take in order to get that goal and get to that spot. So uh, I just really feel like I can detail out for them, no secrets. This is, what, this is what's gonna need to happen and this is the work that you need to put in. Um, and I'm here to help you do it because I've done it. I know it can be done and yeah, but otherwise they are treated just like everybody else, you know, and they are expected to do everything same as everyone else. So um, yeah. And I mean, when it's not just lip service when you say something, because again, it's so much easier to sell it when you've actually done it. So right. uh, when, when you share your experiences with them, I, I know it means, uh, you know, you're, you're speaking the truth and you're speaking practicalities instead of just speaking on the abstract. So yeah, uh, yeah, that's great. You know, that 1991 team at UCLA, they made the national championship, the finals um, on that team was Kimberly, Kimberly Poe, who had a very successful pro career. Stella Sampras, who has been the coach uh, of UCLA for a very long time. What, what do you remember about that year? Maybe one or two things that was really, really special about that team. You know, it was, gosh, as a freshman, that was my freshman year. It was such a learning year for me. And I just learned so much from the girls, you know, just in terms of practices, work ethic. And this was really quite a close team as well. Um, it, it really had a great team atmosphere to it. And, and the focus and intensity towards that goal of getting to the finals, winning a, a national championship was, yeah, it, it was such a great learning experience for me. And obviously making that run and getting to the finals is the emotions that you're having there, the excitement, the adrenaline, everything. I mean, you're just never going to forget that. Uh, the heartbreaking moment is when you don't walk away with, with the title, but that was such an inspiring team. And I just learned so much as a freshman from every single player on that team, while they were all different in their own ways, they all had their different games, their different personalities. It was such a great learning experience for me. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. 13 years old, you're a swimmer. You, you switch over to tennis and that, and about five years later, you're in the net. Your your collegiate team is uh, in the finals of the uh, NCA. Uh, NCA is crazy. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of alum from UCLA, and I'm going to miss a ton, but just to name a few: Marcus Giron, Mackie McDonald, and Jen Brady. I mean, Jen Brady, she is absolutely killing it on tour right now. And I, I remember the U.S. Open in 2020. Um, all the months get jumbled with what we're going through right now. But <laughs> the the women's semis night was. Uh, it was Jen Brady versus Naomi Osaka. And then it was Serena versus Victoria Azarenka. Those two matches that night were unbelievable. That level was crazy. And then again, Jen making a great run in Australia. 
losing to Naomi again. Naomi's just been on fire as of late, but um, <laughs> you got to be so, so proud. It's got to be so fun watching her play, huh? Oh, absolutely. I mean, to see, you know, fellow Bruins uh, doing that well on the tour, it, it, it's been a lot of fun. And I've, I've messaged Stella just saying how great for Jen, how great for the program, and honestly, just how great for college tennis. And I mean, I just feel like it is really highlighting the fact that college tennis is a great springboard into the pros. And, and, and it's while we're seeing a number of Bruins right now out there doing it, there are other players, many college players, Danielle Collins, John Isner has been out there for a while now coming, you know, and John, um, Stevie Johnson. So yep. I just feel like I can name off so many college players now that are out there doing well on the tour. Whereas maybe 15, 20 years ago, we weren't, we weren't saying that, but college tennis is, it's such a good place to then go on to the pros. And I think- Yeah, I mean, with people, with just with people, with their physios and training, advanced training, everything, the, the, you're peaking at a later age right now. You're, you can yeah. play at an extremely high level in your 30s. Just look at the best three players on this planet ever, as ever, you know, they're in there yeah. well into their 30s and they're playing well. So before, like you said, you felt like maybe you were missing out on a huge part of your career if you weren't on tour by 19 years old. That is yeah. not the case. That is not the case at all anymore. So, and um, why not go, go to school for four years and have everything paid for? We pay for your tennis, we pay for your gear, we pay for your physios, we pay for training room. All of that is included rather than trying to maybe do that on your own. You've got coaches who are watching you every day in practice, every day in matches. It's so helpful. And we're the university is paying you to do this. You're not having to hire a coach, hire a physio. So why not take advantage of those resources and play college tennis and then jump into the pros? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're preaching to the choir on there. And it just <laughs> makes, just makes for such a great product with college tennis. The level, the level right now in college tennis is, is ridiculous. It's so, so good. Yeah. Um, I want to, for the, for the listener, I just, the listeners, I just want to kind of outline again, you played, for UCLA from 1990 through 1994. You were then an assistant at Long Beach State from 1995 to 97, and you became the head coach in 1997. Um, you haven't left yet. So like, I'm always interested in hearing journeys, uh, people's journeys on when they played, how they got back into coaching. Um, you got sucked in right away. Um, and was it something that kind of fell in your lap and, and you tried it and fell in love with it? Or was it something that you, you knew you wanted to do right away? How did that all, all work out? In regards to coaching, I, I, you know, I was a psychology major at UCLA. So working with people was always something that I was thinking about in the back of my mind. And then, you know, as working through with the team and, and being captain one year, I just, I liked having that leadership role. I liked the fact that the girls felt comfortable coming to me and talking to me. I loved everything. I love everything about college athletics and what it does for these young adults that are, you know, coming into their own and wanted to be a part of that. So really when I was finishing up my degree, it was like, I, I gotta get into coaching. This is what I wanna do. Um, I didn't see myself in a nine to five or an eight to five desk job. I wanted something involved with tennis, you know, outdoors and coaching just seemed to be the logical, logical move for me. And, but 
then the next step was getting my foot in the door. Where can I get in as an assistant? And I was lucky enough to get hired on. They were looking for an assistant at Long Beach State uh, right after I graduated in 95. And then, yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a saying in my life, it, it says, don't mess with happy. And I guess <laughs> that applies to you because, I mean, my gosh, you've been there since. Um, what is it about the, the school that ha has made you so proud to, to remain the coach of the university? I mean, I'm going to mention some of your crazy accolades in, in a bit. So I'm, I'm sure you may have had calls, may have had interest from other places. What, other than the great climate in California and you have great competition in California, there's got to be something that, that, that has made you say, you know what, I'm happy here and this is, this is where I want to be. What, what, maybe share, you know, one or two of those things with us. Sure, sure. You know, it's, it's the university and the city combined. Um, I will tell you, I, I love where I live. I love this city. I love everything about it, the community, everything that goes on here in Long Beach. It's such a great place to live. And the university itself, I just feel that we offer so much for student athletes. I, I, I feel that we have the full package. Um, we have great academics. And I mean, in August, Money Magazine came out and ranked us in the top 1% uh, for public universities, for most transformative, for best value. So, I mean, we've got a lot going on here academically for our student athletes. Uh, obviously with tennis, our program has come along. We've been top 75 D1 for the last, you know, 17, 20 years. So they know that they're going to get some quality tennis. I really believe that, you know, also like as a coach, we, you know, my ability to work with the kids and is, is, is great. Our development is great. And also I have to say location, location definitely plays into it. I mean, that is for sure what keeps me here, but it's also everything else. I think we can offer the full package and that is academics, tennis, coaches who are gonna develop you and location. And that's why as a coach, this is where I wanna be because I can sell that, you know, and I awesome. can convince kids, this is where you wanna be and these are the reasons why. So why would I go somewhere else when I know we have the full package here? Well, you know, I'm from Chicago. So any school in California, especially sounds enticing to me right now. So I'm <laughs> in. I, I do want to mention some of the incredible accolades you have. And for the listeners, this is just a Cliff Notes version. I mean, go on the website. It's, it's incredible what Coach Hilt Costello ha, has done with the program. And I'll just list a, a, a few of them. 22 total Big West Women's Tennis Championships. 13 Big West Tournament Championships, nine Big West Regular Season Championships, number 18, the highest team national ranking, 18 consecutive years nationally ranked, nine-time Big West Women's Tennis Coach of the Year, nine Big West Players of the Year. I want to stress academics as well, 17 ITA All-Academic Team Awards, 20-plus Long Beach State High Team Semesters, Team GPA Awards. And one really cool thing was you've graduated all but one student-athlete that completed four years of eligibility with the program. I've been privileged to speak to some of the top, top um, college coaches through, you know, throughout the country. I know there's no secret sauce to success, but I also know there are some elements that successful coaches can put in place in their program that can give them the best probability of success. And <laughs> for sure, you have some of those elements that, that I know you um, I guess are called non-negotiables maybe more than anything else, but 
Um, I've just listed again, just a cliff notes, a, a cliff notes of some of the accolades you have. What are some of the, I guess, non-negotiables that you have in your program that you put in place that give you the best chance of success? Well, you know, I think as coaches, we have to be adaptable. Um, you know, I, I can definitely say I'm not the same coach that I was when I started this journey, you know, 26 years ago. Um, you have to be adaptable, uh, adaptable with your athletes, adaptable to administration, adaptable to pretty much everything that you're, to recruiting, everything that you're doing. I think you just, you've got to be flexible and adaptable. Uh, when it comes to the team, there are definitely just a few key things that we always talk about. And one for me is, and these are real simple. I just don't feel like there's anything earth shattering that I'm going to say right now, but uh, respect. We talk about this all the time with the girls to get respect. You got to give respect. And I think that's so important uh, with the team and to maintain a team atmosphere. Always talk about communication, open, honest communication with the girls. And I tell them there may be times where you may not like what I'm telling you about lineup or where you're playing in the lineup, but I will always tell you my reasons why you're here, what you can do if you want to move up. And we'll have that open dialogue on what we can do to meet the goals that you have for yourself while we're also meeting the goals for the team. And then hard work. I got to be honest with you. It is just putting in the hard work. Uh, I identifying those areas of your game that need improvement, being willing to, to acknowledge that those areas of your game do need improvement and then putting in the time to do it. And honestly, I will tell you, none of those titles, those 22 titles ever came easy. There was a lot of work involved in each and every one of those. And I was lucky enough to have student athletes who were willing to, willing to do that work. Um, so those really probably are my three non-negotiables, I would say, that we really talk about a lot with the team. Yeah, no, again, it's not surprising that you said there's nothing that's going to be earth shattering here. I, I do a lot of I'm listening to coaches outside of tennis just to kind of learn from them. And again, there, there is no secret sauce. Obviously, you want to get good players in your respective sports. That's key, right? You need good players. But outside of that, right, it's basic things. There is no secret sauce. And I and I appreciate you and everyone sharing, you know, what they deem to be a, a critical part of, of their program success. And I know I've spoken to a few of your players, you know, I've spoken with, with Natalia Munoz um, recently, you heard that conversation. They rave about playing for you coach. So you're obviously doing something right. You've been there for a long time. If you weren't doing something right, you would not be there nearly as long as you, uh, you have been. Um, best of luck again, this, 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 past 12, 13 months has just been so weird for everyone. No one's lived through anything like this. So best of luck to you and your program, your family and, and your players moving forward. And I appreciate your time uh, speaking with me today. Oh, this was a ton of fun. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks again. Best of luck. All right.